there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right in a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to MustReadAlaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And you got a double header today on the first hour. You got Representative Mike Cronk, who is just epic. You got to hear a little bit of his story about why he uh, first got involved in politics and some bills he championed this last year and this year and why he really cares about uh, lumber as a resource here in Alaska. If you like what you listen, watch, or read on Must Read Alaska, I want to encourage you to go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side there, there's a little donate button. Click on that, and uh, $5, $10, $100. Every penny helps keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska. And uh, without further ado, we have a very special guest for our second podcast of the day, one of the mayors who we really appreciate here on Must Read Alaska, Mayor Dial of of, uh, Ketchikan. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. Thank you, John. I appreciate being on your show. You guys are doing a great job. Well, we're big fans of yours down there in Ketchikan. And uh, so I know that you just, not just, but in April, you kind of gave your State of the Union address for Ketchikan and what's going on in the borough. I would love to hear some of the highlights that you talked about in the State of the Union. I went through it briefly, and man, you guys are busy, busy, busy. So tell us some of those highlights that's going on in Ketchikan. Absolutely. So first, I need to start with the disclaimer that keeps me out of trouble. Uh, you know, these are just my comments. I'm not speaking for the borough or the assembly. Uh, fortunately, nowadays, you have to kind of give that disclaimer or somebody will try to to get you in trouble. But anyway, as far as the state of the borough goes, uh, the state of the Ketchikan borough is, is outstanding. We've had a strong rebound in tourism since the pandemic. Our cruise ships are full. They report that Alaska is a hot destination. You know, we're building new ball fields. Uh, we've got sufficient reserves. We didn't piss away all of our COVID funds. So we've actually put about $7 million of that into a housing uh, fund so that we can help. Uh, deal with our housing problem that everybody has. Uh, we've got uh, record use in borough transit, our rec center. We've got a balanced budget for another year with no tax increases. So, you know, we're doing pretty good. And, you know, we just, we have some of the same problems that uh, other places have, you know, housing, of course, it's affordable housing, workforce housing. Um, that's one of them, you know, we do have some homeless issues, um and some some crime issues but uh you know once again that's everywhere and uh it's a pretty it's a pretty good place to live and we're doing okay well ketchikan is is uh pretty awesome i've been there several times and uh you have a taco time you have a ball you have public transportation i mean it is a hustling and bustling town for alaska standards (laughs) yeah you know the we've got a lot of independent tourists. We've got, a, uh, you know, about a million cruise ship tourists. And you know, that does impact quality of life a little bit. But one of the things that's really important for me is that we also communicate how that really impacts the quality of life 
on the other end of the spectrum for the citizens in that we saw during the pandemic in 2020 what no cruise ships means and that was a loss of about five million dollars for the borough and about 14 million for the city and the that would have translated into a nearly 100% tax increase for the borough and about a 150% tax increase for the city. So that's the impact of not having tourists. So it just makes it more affordable to live here. It provides jobs and opportunities. And this is really a, a community of doers. We get things done. And in the summer, we work very hard. So tourism was amazing this summer. Um, talk to me about what that you know, you you brief briefly talked about it, but talk to me about what that means for your city, your borough, to have that tourism come back and kind of um, be flourishing again. Well, the most impact is for the city. The city has over a hundred million dollars in debt, which a lot of that is tied towards improvements that they have bonded over the years for supporting tourism. So if you all of a sudden don't have the tourists, you still have to pay the bond payments. And during the pandemic, you know, the city was getting really close to having some problems with some of those payments. So without tourism, um, there would be massive tax increases. Um, the great thing is, is, you know, we, we're seeing that rebound this year. We, we, I am a little bit concerned for the future. I mean, when we have an administration in D.C. that starts talking about uh banning stoves and regulating ceiling fans and AC units, um, it makes me a little bit worried that there may be some environmental concerns for the cruise ship industry long-term. And I've had meetings this year with, you know, some of the high-end executives for many of the cruise lines, and and they report that Alaska is a hot market, uh, their ships are full, but looking forward out until, you know, up to even 2030, they just don't know how they're going to comply with some of these upcoming environmental regulations. And I, I think we really need to get out in front of that and, and be prepared for that so that we don't see this industry shut down for environmental concerns. So you've been a mayor that's um, made an effort to have a relationship with uh, the federal government. You've taken some trips back to D.C. Talk to me about that strategy. And has it been fruitful? Um is there still more work to be done? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so many years ago, it's probably been about uh, six years ago now, we, we had been going to D.C. for advocacy issues uh, every year for, for many years. But we decided let's take our issues all the way to the White House. You know, if we make our problems the king's problems, then they become everybody's problems. So we had a lot of success during the Trump administration. Uh, we were at the White House many times. We got many of our issues resolved. We got extra funding for things like a, a dock for the NOAA ship Fairweather, which was just constructed down here. Uh, during the Biden administration, you know, part of that, does, there's been some COVID concerns, but we went to D.C. earlier this year. And uh, we did our best to get into the White House. We were not invited to the White House this year, but we did get to meet with the with representatives from the White House of the Office of Intergovernmental Affairs. And we were able to press our issues uh, with that group of people. But uh, we have a very strong advocacy effort in the borough. In fact, we would argue that it's the best in the state. And if you think about it this way, uh, you know, when Congress appropriates, let's say, $300 billion for a program, 
that money is going to get spent whether or not a community uh, partakes in it or not. So we could say, well, we don't add to the debt, so we're just not going to ask for our fair share. But it's that money's still going to get spent. So we we look at it this way: we're going to make the case for why we believe we should get a fair share of that money, and we've been pretty effective in that. And uh, you know, so we we do that uh, once a year. We go to Juno at least once a year, and and uh, you know, really fight for this community. Is there big projects coming up 2024, even beyond that, that you're hoping to get some federal dollars for? Uh, one of our main projects is our airport. We really need to expand it. It's a state airport, but the borough maintains it and operates it. Uh, what we need to do is if we want to be more than just a cruise destination, if we want to be an actual stop, you know, where, where people could fly into Ketchikan and take a cruise out of Ketchikan or could fly to Ketchikan and spend a few days here, what we need to do is we need to expand our airport because we just don't have the capacity now to fill a cruise ship off of with airplanes coming in. So we're, we're looking at spending about uh, $27 million immediately here to expand the airport so we can increase capacity. And uh, we have a, a, a roughly $100 million ferry expansion that's uh, just towards the completion end of that right now where uh, that was our old bridge money, our old bridge to nowhere money <laughs> that uh, essentially has been reallocated towards expanding ferry service. And we've got all kinds of new facilities. And so anyway, that's that's our main issue going forward is we really need to get that airport capacity uh, significantly increased. Let's talk a little bit about the ferry system, because I think, you know, there's people all around the entire U.S., all around the world, frankly, that will listen to this podcast. and you know, most people are used to being able to drive anywhere they need to. That's not the case with communities like Ketchikan. How important is the ferry system to you all? Um, talk to me a little bit about that. So I think Ketchikan is one of the only places in the country, if not the only place, where you actually have to take a ferry to get to your airport as a major city. And our airport is on an island called Gravina. You can see it from Ketchikan. It's, uh, I mean, it's fairly close. It's right across the Narrows, but uh, without ferry service, there's no getting to the airport or getting back from the airport. And years ago, we obviously, we tried to get a bridge over there and that bridge uh, wound up, cost was increasing rapidly. This was back when Palin and McCain were running for president and it became a political issue and that, bridge was canceled. Well, over the years, that money, which was still allocated, has been redirected towards expansion of the ferry system. So right now, instead of having just one ferry dock, we're actually going to have two. We're, we're running two ferries simultaneously every 15 minutes. And we do have some redundancies that we didn't have before. So before, if we had a, a ramp break on either side, then people were basically stranded. <laughs> you got to swim to the airport. <laughs> it, it could be difficult because then what do you do? It just disrupts everything and all the connecting flights. And so anyway, we're we're uh, we've got a new uh, passenger waiting facility. We're going to have some automation. We're going to have uh, redundancy. It's it's going to be great, and that will support the future expansion of the airport. That's awesome. Well, let's take me way back. Give me the story of when you first ran for public office. What was it? What was it that made you want to throw your name in the hat? Uh, so I, I born and raised in Alaska, but I, I uh, started uh, with the state 
back in 1989 working for public safety and then was hired as a state trooper and basically moved around the state and, and Ketchikan was my second duty assignment. I made seven total. But uh, it's just a town of doers. People get things done here. They're super busy. I really like the uh, the people. They're friendly, hardworking. So when I retired from the state in 2015, I had a lot of people say, you know, I really like your politics. I really like how you fight for the community. Will you step up and run for assembly? And so I did, and I was elected to the assembly. And then I had people say, we need you to run for mayor. And I ran for mayor, and I was elected. And then here last year, I was reelected. And, uh, you know, I just look at it as if I want to live here for the rest of my life, and if I want my family to live here for the rest of my life, I really want to do everything I can to keep our community from making the mistakes that we see happen in other places like Seattle and Portland. And, you know, just so that we can just focus on the basics of government and, and try to keep the people together and keep them from being divided and just make this a prosperous, friendly place to live. And so that's that's kind of where I've, I'm going with this for the last uh, seven years now. Nice. Going on eight. So, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a great adventure and this is just a great town. Have you are you enjoying it as much as you did day one? You know, most days are pretty good. I was out delivering a proclamation to a lady today, uh, yesterday, thanking her for her service. So I've got a lot of good days like that. And fortunately, there's not a not a lot of bad days. I mean, those there's those days when we do have some contentious meetings and we disagree on things. But for the most part, the assembly is very kind to each other and we get along uh, and want to keep it that way. Nice. So how can somebody make a difference today? You know, there's um, you turn on any kind of news channel, Fox News, CNN, doesn't matter what it is. You might as well think the world's coming to an end. But but still people want to get involved locally. That's what I find is they want to make a difference. They want to get involved locally. Lots of people um, still prefer local politics to, you know, national politics. And, but I think there's a lot of folks that don't know how they don't know where to start it, you know? And so what's your advice to somebody out there that's listening to this? Maybe they got three jobs and four kids and sports and you name it but they still want to make a difference in their busy life. How do they do that? Well, I would certainly argue that your, your involvement in local politics will have the greatest impact on your immediate life, right? So how your town looks, how your town functions. I, I do hear a lot from people that they feel that they really can't speak up in this hypercharged political environment because of their their jobs or uh, their family members and those things. And I, and I get that. Uh, what I would say in that case is you can do a lot to support candidates that that you believe in behind the scenes. Uh, definitely get out there and vote, but also show up at some of the local meetings and support them at the ballot box. Uh, you know, I, I do believe there's a silent majority out there. And I believe there's a lot of people out there that see the direction of the country and it's not going in the right direction. You know, and, and one of the interesting things, John, is here just in the last few weeks, I've had contacts with realtors locally, and they're, they're telling me that people from the lower 48 are coming up and snatching up property up here like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. Properties that have been on the market for like seven years are now selling. Other properties are getting multiple offers. And I think it's because the quality of life 
here is still better. And for if people want to maintain that, they really need to get involved in local politics. And you, you can't just sit at home and just think things are going to work out because the default the default mode is that we wind up like Seattle and Portland. It takes us no effort to fail. The efforts for us not to. And so I'd really encourage people, you know, uh, to just get out there. If you can't run for office, at least support the people that you believe in. I like that. What if somebody lives in your borough and they have an issue or they want to chat with your office? How do they get a hold of the mayor's office? Yeah, the great thing is, is our phone numbers are uh, actually posted at the borough website. So you can actually call. I get calls every day from from locals and I always take those calls. Uh, you can also send us emails. So we and you can show up at every single public meeting we have. We always have a public comment period and we welcome the comments of all citizens. Who would have thought an actual phone number be listed? You know, you say that and it's kind of funny because it's very hard sometimes to find a number for an actual office in any kind of government. So I'm I'm pretty excited that you actually list your number. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, and so far it's been pretty good. I can tell you during the pandemic, I did get a few hate calls from people wanting me to lock <laughs> up the island and, yeah. and put everybody in a hotel under guard and those kind of things. But, you know, we've, we've gone past that. And, you know, fortunately, we never had mask mandates here. We didn't, you know, we only pushed choice with the vaccine. If you want a vaccine, you get a vaccine. If you don't want it, don't get it, you know, and we ask that businesses respect that right. So, um, I hope we're not going there again, but I can tell you that if we do, um, while I'm mayor, there will not be any mask mandates if I have anything to say about it. And there's certainly not going to be any push for people to get vaccines if they don't want them. Amen so. to that. Well, uh, 25 minutes has gone by in a flash. Any last minute thoughts here before we head off? The floor is yours. Boy, you know, I just think uh, the only thing I could say to Alaskans is I think you should start preparing for some tough times ahead. Uh, you know, if we look at cycles in history sure does look like we've got an upcoming economic crisis that's brewing and uh, you know these these conflicts on the world stage too really concern me so i would say that uh, there are some options uh, you can get out there you can join the alaska state defense force we are starting a, a detachment here in ketchikan that's a good way for people to serve their communities also you should be preparing at home you know have have some supplies at home and a plan on what you should do if that barge stops bringing groceries to your grocery store. So other than that, uh, we uh, hope and pray for the best. And this is still the greatest state in the country. Yeah, the uh, it's kind of crazy to think about. You know, I've talked to Mayor Bronson a lot about this. You know, the port shuts down. Barges stop bringing food up for whatever reason. That's how Alaska gets 90% of their food. It's not like we're in Iowa where we can grow our own corn, you know, and whatever. We don't we don't produce our own food, unfortunately. And things will get hairy real quick if, you know, the Alaska port were to go down because of an earthquake or barges stop coming up here. And to your point, you know, it doesn't hurt somebody to have in maybe a month's worth of dry goods or canned goods ready for something like that. Absolutely. Well, Mayor, I really appreciate you joining us here on the Must Read Alaska show. We wish you nothing but success. Uh, and uh, it's been uh, it's been awesome watching you serve as mayor as Ketchikan 
and I think you've done a stand-up job. So keep up the good work, and uh, we'll have, you're welcome back anytime. Um, and for everybody that w- listens, watches, and reads Must Read Alaska, if you want to help keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska, just go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side, there's a little donate button. Every $5, $10, $100 helps keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska. And until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thank you, Mayor.